Greetings and salutations. I hope your day is both tranquil and fulfilling. I am Athanasius, and welcome back to the podcast of the Boldly Immortal. To jump into it, so you reached out to me, what was that, a couple days ago? About mm-hmm. this, this idea. Can you just share what it is again? Because... I've had some thoughts, and you, running through those thoughts turned into an absolutely delightful exercise on discovering my own priorities and cultural expectations and values. So I'd like you to pitch where this is coming from, and then we'll have that dialogue, and then maybe later on we can go into uh, some thoughts on how this would actually play out um, if we could achieve this, and that's where... I'll, I'll get into some of the stuff that I've been thinking about, but uh, just for um, your explanation for me, for a refresher, what is your idea? Absolutely. So I'll go a bit referencing what I had uh, sent over earlier, but the, the main idea is uh, it stems from a couple of different uh, trains of thought merging together in my own personal life. Um, one of which has been, I think, probably the, uh, the main impetus is that I've been um, attending Higher Things conferences for uh, literally more than half of my life now. And they have been a fantastic part of my upbringing and my education as a Christian. Um, the news this um, past few months announcing what their next conference was going to be and that they were having a woman as one of the plenary speakers gave me pause for thought because that has been an issue that has been important to my family as far as the position of women teaching within the church and having that particular teaching um, authority position over young men uh, and potentially adults uh, within a conference setting out as a plenary session where one does not have the option, that was something that disturbed me a bit. Um, this is also a concern for my parents. This is how I was raised. And we take the verse in the Bible seriously where it says women are not to teach the men in the church. And I know this has been something of a uh, a loose... Um, matter within our synod as a whole as far as just the way do we interpret that passage uh it's um i talked about this with one of the pastors at my church and he was like oh yeah i'm i don't know if i really want to um hold that verse as an issue in general because that's something that's so integral his his explanation was this is something that's so um, integral within the practice of our synod already, such as at doxology conferences Whoa. that pastors attend, they have women often teaching things to the pastors. And that like was, was and that was cause for him to not want to say what the Bible clearly says. Exactly, and that also got me thinking. Oh, this is this is a you know something that concerns me even more now, uh, and. There was, uh, this also combines with an episode at my own um, parents' congregation, which I am technically no longer a member at. I'm a member at a church, you know, a little bit across town where I go with my wife and her extended family. But my, my father 
is one of the, the men who classically leads the Bible studies at the church, but he was going to be out of town for over a month. And the pastor uh, assigned the, the role of leading the Bible study after he was out of town to a, an older woman in the church. And um, that also concerned me, and I talked to the pastor about that. It, my, my dad didn't know that that was going to be a thing. Uh, and, um, and then she also was looking for, um, for, for me to help teach one of the, um, one of the sessions after the pastor was, the pastor responded to, um, my bringing it up by saying, oh, okay, well, let's, let's have one of the men of the congregation co-lead. And, but then there was one Sunday where that man was not going to be there. And then, um, she reached out to me saying, hey, can you co-lead for this one? And I ended up sticking in my heels and saying, oh, no, in this particular instance, because of, you know, these verses and the issue, I am not comfortable with taking part in that. If you want me to lead the Bible study, uh, I can do that. But the image of co-leading is not something I want to take part in because just all the issues going on, I tried to you know, have that conversation as lovingly as I could. Uh, but ultimately, that they, she did allow me to do that, although not with, uh, not with very good feelings, but I did lead one Bible study session that day. Um, but uh, this combined with the higher things issue, combined with my pastor's comments about, like, the doxology conference, it all boiled into my, into my mind as saying, hey, this is something that I actually do want to dig in my heels a little bit as far as my own practice within the church but then also with higher things what is there i i talked to higher things um people representatives and they did not um really we did not see eye to eye on the issue um i thought well is i guess i can't attend higher things this coming year um and then that got me thinking of well are there any alternatives to a higher things kind of educational experience and I am myself coming into fatherhood a child uh, due to be born in January uh, Lord willing and well what kind of environment do I want to raise my own child in it what kind of um, opportunities are there for my wife to interact with like-minded women um, and to you know grow in the community and fellowship of the broader church in such a setting as such conferences offer while also being edified in the word from pastors and in, in ways that one doesn't get in normal week-to-week um, -week encounters often. And so then I thought, well, here's, here's merging in with a separate train of thought. The community that I myself have enjoyed very much at such conferences growing up were other men and women my own age who would also attend the conferences, but especially my extended family. Um, but I have not seen a lot of these uh, friends at conferences in many years, mostly because they are now themselves with young families. And that is a constraint that prevents one from going to uh, a conference for a week, often. Um, additionally, the Higher Things conferences and similar, those are targeted towards high school age, which makes sense. That is a, a great demographic to provide 
uh, theological nourishment for and community for. But well, what about the, the rest of us, you know, in the church who also could benefit from uh, such continued activities and conference uh, settings? Uh, and so then I thought, well, I, I remembered that there was such a conference for me and my family and extended family when I was growing up. It was called the Feed My Lambs Retreat. Uh, these were very casual, I, I would almost say informally put together by the families in question through um, an email listserv uh, called Martin Loopers. This was a, basically just a group of homeschool Lutheran moms who would you know, chat together about things over email in the early days of email in the 90s, early 2000s. Uh, the group is actually still active in conversation though mostly over Facebook now, I believe, um, although, you know, the generation has gotten older. But this group just on their own put together these little retreats, um, which were all the families coming together for many days. I don't think it was quite as long as a week. Uh, and they would, it was basically like a precursor to higher things in its format and substance. Um, but it was whole families that would attend. The parents, their little children, some older children, uh, pastors would give talks. Uh, there were services every day, matins, vespers, uh, free time activities. Uh, there were um, parts where like all the dads would get together and chat while all the moms got together and chatted. And it was, it was what Higher Things was for my family before there was such a thing as Higher Things. It was fellowship, it was education. And it was for the whole family. It wasn't this restriction of high schoolers. And I remembered this. I had almost forgotten it. It had been so long. Once Higher Things became a thing, it kind of subsumed these conferences, these, these retreats, and they no longer happened, the Feed My Lens retreats. But that was for the generation of when I was growing up. But I'm not aware of there being any such thing now for families of my generation where I am and my, um, my compatriots are the parents. There is not a, an avenue, in my awareness at least, by which me and my extended family of cousins and their families can come together and raise our children alongside each other, at least in a retreat setting, share our parenting knowledge with each other, grow in the word from teachers, and, and just generally enjoy the fellowship of, of God's church together as, as like-minded parents. And then... It, occurred to me, well, what if there was to be a, a solution to the higher things conundrum in my mind that also satisfied this conundrum? If one were to then start a new kind of conference or retreat, which was something more explicitly geared around modeling the, the order of family and creation that God has described for us in his scriptures, in terms of how the teaching happens, how men and women arrange themselves in their conduct within the church, and also served this niche of families getting together, not just the high schoolers with chaperones, but the whole families, and providing through that a additional avenue for modeling what Christian family conduct and life together looks like, because when you have the whole family together, you have generational modeling of the father and the mother 
and their older children and their younger children and the heads of the church and that whole structure of the body of Christ together actually being together so that that can be modeled and so that one can explore in how we conduct ourselves and show to attendees who might not actually be accustomed to seeing this lived in practice within the church what it looks like for the pastors and elders of a community to bear their headship responsibly over the families, um, the heads of families, the heads of families bearing that responsibility and headship over their, uh, their wives and children and mothers caring for their little ones, older sons and daughters caring for the younger ones. Like living out that whole existence is something that I believe is lacking in a lot of our congregations. We have become very individualized and separated in how we live our lives such that that structure of the body of Christ is in many ways deteriorated in our hearts. Even if we read the scriptures on a regular basis, we don't see them lived out in practice in the conduct of our churches, our voters' assemblies, our Bible studies, at least not in my own personal experience lately. And Further, I remember the, the Sons of Solomon musters that I have been blessed to be a part of and the kind of wholesome conversations, consolations, uh, supports that happen with that group of men and women acting as men and women, distinct but complementary. And if that group formed the core of such a new conference, and could share that kind of fellowship and that kind of order and teaching with the broader synod for those who were interested in coming to such a conference. That served to me as a third win of actually sharing this kind of, of biblical living with the broader church community. If people were interested in coming and if it was to grow in a way that Higher Things has grown in the past as far as exposure, uh, but maybe keeping it more, uh, avoiding the temptations of uh, secular growth and growing in numbers, but trying to stay faithful to the biblical principles and as something that is a more you know, grassroots, old school uh, style conference that tries to hold to what higher things ideals originally were, I think, maybe it would also attract many people many churches, as I've been discovering, that are, like myself, a little bit disenthused with higher things lately. Um, not to speak ill of the organization as a whole, there are many wonderful men and women in it, many friends of mine, and I have been myself very much a part of that organization for most of my life. But there are objections, and I've seen congregations start to boycott it. Uh, a lot of network congregations associated with my, my pastor and his network are boycotting it this coming year. And if those people are looking for something that is more scripturally solid, then it seems like I'm not the only one. And this might be the time to you know, see the need and fill the need in producing such a retreat. Now, I don't have a lot of details in place in mind as far as what it would look like in practice, um, like the individual schedules of each day in such a retreat, how you know, the, where the retreat would be or that kind of a thing, how the organization would happen. This is just an idea at this point. But that's the idea. I think uh, I've 
covered, you know, how my train of thought worked leading up to it, the, the impetus of higher things and the Bible study at my own uh, parents' congregation, and also seeing the need for um, fellowship for parents of my generation and caring for their kids in a way that uh, is feasible for parents. And then thirdly, that community that we have with the Sons of Solomon that I wish there was more of. So those are the three things that led to this idea. Uh, and I will pause for thoughts there. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Uh, and especially thank you for reaching out because this is an issue that I've seen continuing to creep into our church body. And we're not the only ones who see it, but it's not, it, it's not necessarily the explicit, but the implicit expression of the problem that, that is concerning. It's not that we're actively teaching something that's incorrect. It's that we're not actually differentiating between men and women. Uh, and and that matters. That that really does matter. It's it's subtle at first. You know, why women on the church council? Well, why can't we? They're good at what they do. Yes, but can we think this through? And is it possible for you to have it? Yes. I guess my counterpoint would be, why do you need it to happen? If you need it because there aren't enough good men to fill those roles, maybe you just need to cut kind of things that you do and just do less because you need to wait for the men to, you need to wait for there to be the men to uphold your civilization. And if you don't have those men, you're doing something wrong or God's judging you, which is entirely possible. If there are not enough good men for you to fill the role such that you need to put in a woman, you're under judgment and you need to repent. And if you're choosing to put in a woman, or if you see someone choosing to put in a woman in a, in a place of authority, maybe you should repent and understand that they are accepting judgment upon themselves. This is this is about orders of creation. And I'm, I'm full on saying that, yeah, when Paul is talking about this issue, he's not talking about it as a cultural preference. He's talking about it as the way that God designed the creation to operate, that men are supposed to lead. And that's as much for the men's sake as for the women, that the men need that push, that responsibility so that they can be good men and lead and stand fast in tribulation. And the woman's curse is that that's going to be the case and she's not going to be comfortable with it, but it's, that's going to happen. So if she tries to lead, ultimately it's, it's going to fall apart. You're, you're kicking against the goads and you need to stop. Um, God's going to bring it back into good order. If by no other means than by things like what are happening right now, we're having a conversation who knows what that could turn into and God willing, it'll turn into something better than higher things ever was, or it'll turn higher things into a position of repentance. But I think there are a lot of really good, good threads that you put there. So um, that's just my going, perhaps a little bit more first principles. Like this just makes sense to me. This seems a reasonable thing to me that we need to draw these lines and we need to make, make sure that that is explicit in the way we look, not just the way we talk that somebody could walk into our space and feel uncomfortable because they know we do things differently. And then we need to be unapologetic about that 
because we're doing it for their good, for the good of the body, for the good of everyone who comes to participate. It, it matters. This is about how building a coherent civilization. This is about living godly lives. It's not a matter of sin and guilt and shame. I mean, I don't want to get into that. I don't want to say anybody needs to repent before their pastor for any of these things, but rather that we need to take it seriously, that this is not about kicking you outside of the, the kingdom, right? That on the last day, the straw will be burned away and the gold will shine. So build with, build with gold. Boy, it's been a long time since I podcasted, but that's, I think that was the last one, uh, or it was one of the more, more recent ones. Uh, so that, that matters that we need to pursue. We ought to pursue doing the right things and building on good principles. And every one of us, myself included, is going to be struggling with their own flesh and struggling with their own sin. But that's not an excuse to say, well, oh, well, I guess we shouldn't draw these distinctions. No, it's, that's a, we ought to pursue it all the more when we see our flesh resisting us. Uh, so th- good, good on you for noticing this and for actually being willing to make a stand. I've enjoyed parts of higher things. Uh, I don't know about you, but I think what really drew me to higher things was the, uh, was t- two types of online content, the excellent expositions by pastors on different theological ideas and recordings of mass hymn singing. Mm, yeah. Those those two edges of what church is, what does it mean when the when the people of God gather together? We hear God's word and we get to learn more about who God is and then together we can sing praise to him. And the Lutheran hymnody is so rich that that is that that hearing it hearing it sung is nourishing but then hearing it sung the way that in your heart you you've wanted to participate in it you didn't know it but at your own little congregation they don't quite sing with all the fervor and gusto that would maybe be really nice and maybe there's they don't have the instrumentalists that you could that you'd put in it's a cathedral experience which people in the modern age just have no contact with, but Lutherans, we're an old tradition. And that feels, it feels right. It's, it's as though you can sense this is what we wish had happened when the Roman Catholic church, when the, the papacy, um, when the papacy repented, right? If they had repented, this is what it could all be every Sunday forever. Isn't that, you know, what a wonderful dream. And, uh, I think that as a dream, it captured my heart because it wasn't something growing up where I did. I didn't grow up with anything like this for context. Um, I came to be aware of higher things online. And then even uh, from having uh, wonderful opportunities to participate in Friday evening Bible studies with, uh, with you and others online. And from there, pursuing higher things uh, as an attendant, or maybe it was the other way around. I attended one year as a, as a volunteer. And then we were doing regular uh, evening chats from there. I don't remember which came first, but it was about the same thing that what it meant, what higher things meant at that time of my life was, this is a place 
where I can get, step out of my normal, where finally I can see what it's like to be surrounded culturally by other Lutherans and people of faith, I mean, let alone the fact that they're Lutheran, which is great, but people who share their convictions in Christ. Uh, growing up where I did, going to school where I did out West, that was just not the case. And Higher Things was an opportunity to feel that. And if there were points that seemed to explicitly, or not explicitly, implicitly, that seemed by the representation, by how they were doing it to conflict with that, that was that would be tough. And in fact, there were some issues that worked that way a couple of years where I things just something just seemed a little wrong. It was a wonderful experience, but something was just wrong and I was not being heard in something that mattered or there was something that I was pursuing that was not being respected. And the, something that seemed that where the, it seemed as though there were presuppositions that had not been thought through to their logical conclusions. And while what was going on was good, it was not as good as it ought to have been. And there was something muddying the water. Uh, but still a wonderful experience. So like, I'll echo that entirely, that I'm completely on board. It, it, it's a wonderful organization, or it has been a wonderful organization, and it's really disappointing to see it going this way. So I want to again commend you for the next step, which is what do we do now? And I think, I think what I want to start with with in my my responses the the question of how to i guess in some ways how did it get here and i think part of the reason it got here is because of the size and initially when higher things starts out it's going to be a lot more flexible because there aren't a lot of traditions, a lot of expectations. Um, it's also going to be a lot more of a volunteer organization. And it's not going to be very big. And I, I'd like you to speak to that because I don't have experience with it. But those first years of higher things, how how, how big were your con were the conferences? Were they always as big as they are now? Mm, yeah, great question. Great, great insights. And yeah, I agree with it everything you've said uh, so far. The, and my family's been attending Higher Things conferences since 2005. Uh, my understanding is that their first conferences were, began in 2000, um, but it did not really grow into the synod's awareness until around 2005. And so that first, the first few years that my family attended, I think maybe until like 2009, uh, it was only about one conference location per per summer but each location was about a thousand youth attending as far wow. as i recall and after maybe around 2009 ish uh, they started having multiple locations um, in order to try to keep the individual size of a conference down to something that was more intimate and manageable at the around the cap of a thousand people, sometimes less. And that would change each year. So as the 
population grew of people who wanted to attend, they would simply add more locations rather than make the single location have a bigger number of attendees. And so in that sense, my exposure to higher things, at least going back to 2005, has been that the, the size of the number of people attending has been a pretty stable ever since its inception. Um, but one thing that I have seen change over the years has been, uh, like you mentioned, the, the level of, of organization and expectation of the people who are putting it together, uh, the staff of higher things, has become much more um, formalized mm. um, and much more of like an actual organization that can have people on payroll to manage the various duties of the organization. Um, I believe in its early days, I don't know this for certain, this is just the impression of someone who was attending, it was mostly the volunteer effort of several pastors. Um, the, the sainted Clement, Reverend Clement Preuss was the kind of godfather figure, as far as I perceived the organization anyway. Uh, and in those days, it was, it was a phenomenal thing. It was much less, um, you know, like the, the free time activities and the, the merchandise and things like that, that wasn't there so much. Um, it was, you know, free t-shirt was the only kind of special thing of the event. Um, and there was, um, I think there were like maybe six or seven different breakaways per week instead of just like four or five. Um, it was much more intense in that schedule. Um, but there was still free time. Um, but otherwise, it was, I think, just less formal. It was more of a time mm. where you were there with your group and hanging out with other people in other groups um, when you were, you know, arranging your schedule and chaperoning each other and hanging out together during free time. And then as the years went on and higher things became a more formal organization. You started getting all these roles with the, um, like the formal conference executive and um, there was always a registrar, but just adding all these, these extra roles. Um, and then the, like the free time became much more of an organized um, thing with lots of different activities for the youth to be jumping around to, which I have mixed feelings about that myself. Uh, that's another topic. Um, but um, all of the, the activities that the organization added to what they did throughout the rest of the year, um, their, their online content and videos, which is a, I mean, it's a very um, laudable uh, activity for any organization to be doing to putting out that educational content for the youth. Um, but just that aspect of the organization growing. Um, and then something that I saw over time was that... Um, as the, the founding pastors, you know, moved on to other things or retired or passed away um, and other people filled the shoes, very often what happened was that especially just the basic running orchestrational roles of the conference were taken up by women rather than the original pastors. And my perception of this is mainly that it would be a scheduling thing. Pastors are very busy men, and no one wants to volunteer for something that has become a big organization, and it sounds like it's going to be a lot of work to add into one's uh, already busy pastoral routine. Um, and so the ones who originally did it out of a labor of love to make something like it happen 
when they had to step down over time because life happens, the people who took up the roles tended to be the wives because they had more flexibility in their time to do that. I'm reading between the lines there, but that has been my perception. And so gradually over time, the leadership of the organization over multiple generations of the leadership changing hands mostly shifted to be the women who were actually running the organization. The pastors would always be the ones doing the teaching and the ones who were um, explicitly in charge of organizing the teaching itself. But as far as the, the conference activities as a whole, how it was organized, um, the organization of events, the, the chaos of the free time, and just all of these things, it just gradually shifted into the, um, the domain of the women who had the time to actually devote into making it happen. And that is when I started to see a shift into in the, the way that the organization carried itself and just seeming to be something like there was something missing, uh, kind of like what you were mentioning earlier. It lost some of the down-to-earth gemutlichkeit um, that I perceived it having in its early days. It um, just started becoming more chaotic, I guess, as far as the the life together. Uh, and then there started to be these things creeping in that has been a concern to me as far as like who is teaching and and why and um, yeah, other things that you mentioned. So that's been kind of my experience with the progression of the organization. And this is a thought that I have been mulling over in my mind of, hey, if we're starting something new, if that is something worth doing, are there ways to avoid perhaps following a similar course if this were to be something that took off? Um, I don't have specific answers there, but that is that is something I would like to discuss. Yeah, I, th I think the key, if, you're, if we're going to do this, is recognizing first and foremost the value of the thing from which we are breaking away. That is, in some ways to say, uh, to use an analogy, if we are to be Lutheran, we must first be wholeheartedly Catholic. We must know the value of Catholicism as, as a heritage if we would be something other than Catholic because otherwise we're simply going to identify ourselves based on our distinction rather than taking the holistic approach of being everything that was and more. I think that's an important thing that theologically we haven't exactly wrestled with as the Lutheran church because we have one day every year where we celebrate not being Catholic, but we are Catholic. We, we, should, we should be celebrating that we're not Roman, we're not Papist, but we should be, we should be, frankly, we want to be the best Papists ever. We just want to have a father who repents, a papa who is willing to submit himself to scripture, to the word of God. We don't talk about it that way in our own communities. We talk about justification by grace through faith. Um, scripture alone, Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone. It's great. It's wonderful. And yet we lose the, uh, the comfort, I think, of acknowledging our, our apparent cultural Catholicism 
the Baptists would look at us and say, you're just, you're just Catholics. We should say, yes, I think. Yes, we have a Catholic church. We just happen to be the ones that they kicked out. Because unlike all the other sects of the Roman Catholic church, we aren't acceptable because we won't submit to, to the Pope because he needs to repent. But even now, you got some other groups that are in the same boat. So it, it, it gets interesting. I think that that is something that culturally we must wrestle with and therefore acknowledge the good of what it is that we are trying to break away from and highlight it as a, a key point. In fact, as perhaps the first thing that we would use to advertise ourselves that this is what we want to do and we don't think it's be done, being done rightly. So here are other additional distinctives that we have, but first let us confess our unity, our, our similarity, our value of, our appreciation of the value that has come before and our desire to uh, propagate it forward that, and it, it is our desire to propagate it forward that in, in incentivizes us, that drives us to do what we're doing because the way that it's being done, it will not be. Uh, so that's just a, a initial point that it, we need to emphasize those those priorities. On your question of the the ways to prevent it, well, first and foremost, we're dealing with sinful human beings. We can't, right? Getting that caveat out of the way, are there wise principles upon which we can found whatever we do which will give it the greatest opportunity for godly men to pick it up and propagate it forward. Yeah, I think there are. And the male headship requirement is one of those first principles. That's a good way to ensure that it doesn't go astray. If you ever get to the point where you're you're saying you're asking the women to do the make the decisions and run the operations and tell men what to do to have something happen, you've lost the plot. So you need to repent and maybe stop doing it. At that point, maybe you take a year off because you clearly just don't have the time. Maybe you decide that it's not worth sending the kids to band this year, or, you know, or whatever it is, you know, they, they can't do baseball. You know, oh, we're not playing baseball this year. Why? Because we're going to do this instead. Maybe you have to sacrifice out of your busy life to do that. And maybe that sacrifice isn't that you stop doing whatever this becomes, this uh, this devotional opportunity, devotional community, um, Christian community opportunity. We'll find a name for it, but... Maybe you need to realize that something else in your life is taking up too much of your time, that you're far too busy on things that don't actually matter. And you need to reevaluate what kind of life you want to pass down to your children. Do you want to pass down American affluence or do you want to pass down the Christian faith? One of them is much more important. One of them is a matter of life and death. The other one is a matter of comfort This is not to say that there are not things that are worth spending time on outside of whatever it is that we're doing. Far, far be it for me to say that. But if you're spending more time on your own pleasures than on giving your children a an opportunity to experience Christian brotherhood and community, uh, 
you're doing something wrong and you're teaching them what to value in their lives as well. So give them an example. Put your put your energies towards pursuing what is what is good. Um, anyway, that that's to say that men taking up leadership roles is a fundamental necessity if it's going to endure and anywhere where that does happen it has a chance i think to address a perhaps more strategic uh, principle though i think i think all of that so far has been um, more more broad scale philosophical questions to address a specific problem You'd mentioned that the increasing formalization of higher things may have led to some of these problems, uh, may have. Uh, therefore, the in, in many ways, unstructured and informal organization would be a good way to pursue creating anything that would act in that pl in, in place of that having having an organization that is unorganized doesn't really make sense to us well it doesn't really make sense to our parents but in fact that that's how the internet works and in many ways it is a an organization of influence where the people who you listen to and then choose to agree with and model your life in harmony with, with whom you choose to live your life in harmony, that, that is in a level of organization that supersedes managerial structures. And here uh, we could get into talks about the managerial elite, how everything's... Uh, in the in the modern world, we're putting in managers to tell people how to do things, as a as a bureaucracy, building in additional people with jobs to tell other people what to do and all these other questions. It helps if you want to have uniformity, if you want to have consistency, if wherever you go, you want to have the same experience. But if the if the places where you go are not exactly the same, if the people in those places eat different foods, have different words, you know, maybe they look a little bit different. Maybe they're, they're, the, the speed at which they sing hymns is different. I don't know if you've experienced this traveling around the country. I certainly have. But if those places are different, then the way they do things should be different too. It will be an outflowing of their own cultural preferences. And places where there are good traditions uh, may spread to other, other locations. So things that are valuable, other people will pick up on. But if you start by simply trying to establish what you do locally or have some culture, then only then can you expand outward. And this is some of the idea of the Sons of Solomon and the Sons of Solomon musters that once a year on Memorial Day, there is a gathering here in Rockford, Illinois, where listener, you are invited to come 
you're invited to participate and just hang out for, for lack of a better phrase you're just going to come spend time with us with a bunch of people who want to learn more about scripture who want to love their scriptures and uh, own their vocations of men and women that's that's it there's no there's no structured organization there's no conference it's just come and spend time with people and it seems that from what you were saying and honestly from my own experience as well that's one of the best parts of any conference or gathering you've got the, the teaching and the teaching is wonderful but that time where you can meet people and spend time with them is so valuable that frankly to have some place where that's a priority not doing something but just being people together sharing breath um, sharing time being not busy in the same place as somebody else and allowing our christian convictions to flow forth and and mutual consolation to occur we're so busy everything's scheduled everything's organized but what the sons of solomon musters are for is simply spending time relaxing being christians together and when you can combine that with devotional piety you know, spending time doing uh worship services uh, i do love matins and vespers especially singing together that's something that i would like to eventually add on more to the uh, musters but that's going to be something that i would do for my own sake because i love it and anybody who wants to come with me yeah, come with me. We're going to go do this. Uh, I think that will inevitably become something that people latch onto and love because people are good Christians, so they're going to want to participate in that. And eventually, I guess this is this will this will hit the philosophical question where I'll, I'll spit it back to you as to see what you think, Brian. Uh, eventually, it'll get to the point where people come because that's just what you do. Or they just want to be a part of a crowd. Or they just want to feel included. And that's good. But in the in the scriptures, even within the church, God says, you know, our Lord Jesus says, that there will be wolves that try to come in. That there will be those who do not share our faith, who are among those who are at a church. And, it, and church here, I want to use very broadly as just a gathering of Christians. Wherever there's a gathering of Christians, when you get sufficiently large, some of those people are not going to be heartfelt Christians. They're, they're not doing it because they're convicted. They're doing it just because they want to be part of it. And I don't think we should kick them out. I think we should welcome them and trust that the Holy Spirit will work on them by hearing the gospel, hearing the good news. Uh, and convict them and bring them to faith some of them will not but we don't get to decide that this side of paradise remaining informal remaining unstructured and remaining small enough that you could meet everyone in theory over the course of some period of time or 
yeah, yeah. You could you could meet everyone if you were one of those social butterflies, and having enough unstructured time, quiet time for you to have meaningful experiences, meaningful conversations, meaningful moments, just being together. I think those two aspects of things are critical for all ages. Uh, not just for children to have unstructured time where they're not you know, just, oh, here, go do all these things. Here's an activity. Here's an activity. Here's a thing. Here's a competition. No, 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 no. Just here's a field. Here's some other children. Have fun. If you're really bored, we'll give you something that bounces on the ground or, or rolls on the ground. There, we give you a ball. You know, this is a very modern invention, ball. Children have played in fields for, for generations with just the basics of what they find. You give a boy a stick, he'll be entertained as long as he needs to be. Uh, so unstructured time combined with a policy of allowing a local establishment to be unique allowing say some iteration of whatever it is that we're doing in Idaho not to look like something that happens in Georgia or in Massachusetts or in Michigan or in Indiana because Indiana and Michigan are different places and Ohio very different from closer to Michigan but still very different Wisconsin different Minnesota different California Oh boy, what part of California? All these different areas are going to have their own ways of, of operating. And they're going to have more or less organizational capacity based on the people. But if you can establish a principle and a guide by which people can uh, follow, like a set of steps, here's, here's how to do this thing. And then... Uh, do it yourselves. And then rather than trying to get other people to do it on on priority, uh, send out I don't know, evangelists, send out people from your midst to go and start something somewhere closer to where they are, perhaps because they are further away from the main event or they want to start a group where they are uh, locally. A number of different ideas there. But... Uh, Allowing individual locations to be uh, unique while maintaining the basic principles so that when people come together in those locations, they can actually build Christian culture that endures, that they can pass on to their children, deliberately designing how they come together to propagate those values forward. That was a lot. Oh, I think that was golden, though. I... That was a lot, but I think I absolutely agree with everything that you you said. Um, talking about the uh, the the need to hold on to you know, what is the the good thing that we are striving for, not simply what are we reacting against. Uh, that is the core to the substance of you know who we are as we gather together, and then the that contrast between clinging to the structure 
um, of the activities we do together as a body and just the the outline of you know what is it we're doing and how does you know keeping that separate from the way that one necessarily uh, implements that when a gathering of the body of Christ meets that is a I think a very important distinction and you lit off several trains of thought in my mind related to that one of which is the going back to the the distinction between men and women I, this is bringing in um, a kind of a separate parallel train of thought but the the image between uh, head and body um, or sometimes I think of also the the roles between men and women as far as what they contribute in you know just the way our minds work that of structure versus flesh uh, the woman is the life the the man likes to provide the structure in the in the headship in the guidance uh, but when you have a gathering of people in this in this way whether at a conference at just you know a muster like sons of solomon the event itself and you know what are the core things that make it what it is uh, separate from the individual activities and the ways that the the individuals carry themselves during their free time and things like that i mean that's that's the structure of what the gathering is but when you get to that that substance of you know how does how do the Michigan people meet together. How do the California meet people meet together? Um, how are we, you know, letting our kids run around in the field and spending time? That's um, that's kind of more the the flesh of what the meeting is. And it strikes me that when an institution grows and tries to tries to codify how all of these things take place. I mean, in part, it, it might arise out of a certain fear that a good thing won't carry on after it has been established and, you know, the, the, the leadership changes hands, as it were. And they're trying to, okay, we need to make this institution and all the good things that we've had, make that pass on without us necessarily having to be at the reins. Try, try to program in, as it were, use use a software analogy, try to program in the routine so that it, it stays the same and stays stable without as much human oversight. But at that point, I think, you're losing that, the very thing that made it have life in the first place, that the flesh of the people who were coming together, given the original structure that you had. And at that point, maybe it has maybe that is the point where one has to be willing to let something change from the way it originally was in the sense of it's not something that is it is um super institutionalized as far as how everything happens but it's something that is coming from the hearts of the people who are actually leading it and given that the core structure that is necessary is there that you are following the scriptural model for how the church comes together, the men leading, following God's word, uh, just conducting oneself as good Christians, pursuing the things that are good and worth pursuing, then once that structure is in place, one can let the body, the flesh, conduct itself however it will, even if that's not the same way it looked like uh, a generation ago, even if it's not the same way in Wisconsin as it is in California. What, if the structure is there and the structure is kept distinct 
from the flesh and body of what the gathering does together, and those two are not conflated, then that on the one hand means that there is something that one is not going to institutionalize as far as what the flesh does together. But then one also has all the more clearly that core structure that is needed on which one can, you know, take, evangelize over to a different, a different bodily setting within the church and have it still apply. And that it also makes it simpler for people coming together when they are gathering. Um, that it's not a lot of red tape, it's not a specific formal process. Uh, I mentioned the, the Feed My Lambs retreats that my family, extended family and friends, grew up attending when I was a child. The way those worked, there was some, you know, retreat setting where, you know, there was, there was housing, um, there were optional, you know, meal plans, but it was also something where, you know, you could choose to arrange your own housing, bring your own food. Uh, it was something where the only fee involved in the gathering was that for room and board, which you could totally do yourself. You didn't have to use the housing at the conference venue. You could, you know, stay with a friend who's in the same town. You could, you know, get a campsite. Um, and then really the only extra cost was the deposit for using the 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 campsite or the uh, the con conference center wherever it was and there wasn't all this extra cost because everyone was just paying for their own housing on their own but the structure was there for everyone to gather together to gather around god's word to sing together to worship together and to hear um teachers together and to just enjoy fellowship together apparently i just learned this yesterday at, there was someone who would fly in all the way from alaska to attend these back in the day, even though it was only for a few days. Uh, but that flexibility allowed for, you know, people who had dietary restrictions, they didn't want to worry about the, the cafeteria food, but, you know, there was food, a food plan offered for those who didn't want to bring their own food. But that flexibility was there because that was how the body could run itself when the main structure was already provided. The, keeping that distinction between the structure and just the practical matters of the, the body living its life. Part of me also thinks of, like maybe there's an analogy here between Israel uh, under the, the judges, God's, God's judges and prophets, and then seeking a king to try to institutionalize some things more. Maybe that's not a perfect analogy. I could see some things not quite mapping there. But that thought occurred to me in response to, uh, to what you were describing, that maybe there's that, that, that tendency, that temptation to over-institutionalize something in order to try to make something last and exist that maybe is losing the scope of actually what people are supposed to be striving for. I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? God has the final say. So we can't make any of this endure any longer by really good design than he could make it last by his grace. So no structure, no organization, no cultural norm will last any longer than God wants it to, no matter how well designed it is. Now, when things are well designed and in harmony with God's order, he perpetuates them. And when things are not aligned with God's 
God's design of creation, he does not perpetuate them. But ultimately he gets the decision. I mean, God has the sovereign power to let let an institution die, to, to just take it out, uh, and to let a people wither uh, and and fall. But he does promise that if we hold to his word, he will continue to bless us. So that's what we ought to be doing. And if we cling to that, everything else, all of the other ancillary things, uh, anything that's imperfect or impure will be purged away with time. And anything that is gold will be proven gold over time. It's why the liturgy stuck around. That's why I like the older liturgies better than the newer liturgies, because th- th- we, we don't see the problems with the newer stuff that aren't there in the old stuff because the old stuff has lasted already. Uh, so let's use it. Let's use our old stuff. Uh, let's let's hold on to that heritage and let's recover what we may have lost. Um, so what, as regards that um, Alaska anecdote, I think that's a really good reference point because uh, initially I fully expect, like I would like in, uh, let's say about a year and a half, to have something to go somewhere. I don't know about next year as a like big formal event. I think next year we could probably do a test drive of some kind, uh, an initial uh, exploration to you know, kind of like your uh, with software development to get, again, use an analogy there. We're just going to build something very basic, very rough, and then iterate on it. You know, agile principles, uh, allow allow ourselves to do to fail fast. Um, so perhaps then, but then in terms of a bigger, more structured thing in, in a year and a half to have something such that somebody who's listening to the podcast or who's who who you know who you invite and you tell about this can come. Uh, I think it's a great that's a great goal. And then. Let's say we do have somebody coming from Alaska to this event that we are able to put on in summer 2025. What is our encouragement to them? Uh, It's one, it only took us a year and a half to put this together. Two, let's see what it's like when it is put together. It's it's not structured. It's not formal. It's not that hard per se. and at the moment, we really don't have much reach beyond the people we can talk to. Because this podcast is basically the listenership is just people who I've reached out to or um, who have caught it in place where I've public- published it publicly. Uh, it doesn't take much to get started. So anybody who's listening back to this in a year and a half after that event can know, hey, it's not, it's not that hard. We're starting with not much, but a conviction that we should be doing something. So you take what you, what we've done, if you'd like, and give it a try. And if you want to just model it based on exactly what we did, that's good. Um, I wrote a note earlier. I'm going to try to find it. Uh, ah, growing by, 
growth by fracturing. Mm. And perhaps better would be would be fractaling. Uh, we think of it. We could think of it as the Mandelbrot set, where every this is just worth looking up if if for those who don't know what it is. But it's a it's a big beautiful uh, solution to an equation, and then each partial solution also um, can be mapped onto this, or, uh, or almost solution can be mapped onto this big uh, graph that they have, and when you zoom in to a single section, you see that the pattern repeats and it gets, and it repeats as it gets deeper and deeper, it repeats more and more. And if you, there, there are several sub patterns. So if you zoom in to one of the sub patterns, you see all of the sub patterns at the top level are repeated again with a little twist based on what your parent pattern was. So, you have a uh, like a, a a swirl of some kind, and then maybe you've got a uh, you got a, like a swirl or a, a tree shape, you know, like a, a branch, a Y shape. And if you zoom into a swirl, there are going to be both swirls and and branching structures. And if you zoom into the branching structure, then you will have a swirl branching parent structure that echoes down as it goes further and further down. So any Anybody that branches off will maintain traits of the initial tree, the initial root from which it it branched. Um, meaning, anybody who were to come to what we do is going to, if they build something, build it with that in mind. If somebody wants to start a muster, well, why don't you just come to come to the one we've got and then just try to do that wherever you are? And how do you advertise it? Well, that's... That's the question, and that's something that I I think the answer would be just talk to people. That's not going to be this uh, episode. I actually have like an eight-point list of different podcasts we could do as we go through this process to give people the tools. Just say, hey, here, here's, here's the toolkit. Just talk to somebody and figure this out. Um, but that you would encourage somebody... You know, as you continue to grow, you're going to grow and you're going to grow and you're going to grow. And at a certain point, you're going to need to split up. You're going to need to not all get together at the same place because you just, it, it logistically doesn't work or you just can't get to meet, meet everybody or you're all having so many kids that you just can't travel as far as you, you would. And then what you do is you just have a conversation. You, you bring the heads of the households together, bring the fathers together and say, we will go this way. You will go that way like Abraham and Lot. Or how about we do it here this year and how about we do it here next year? And you don't start from zero. You start maybe with a couple of families. So maybe your your guy from Alaska meets a guy from Montana and they say, well, hey, what if we just got together once a year? Well, let me tell you, if you do that for 75 years, you're going to have a huge grouping of people. Just you and them. If you're two, you know two families gathering together for seventy five years, it's going to be a, it's going to grow. If you're if you're gathering around the word of God, um, that confidence, that conviction, I guess, is, is, comes back to that earlier idea. God, God has the ability to bless you. <laughs> Believe it. It's amazing. Uh, so act in that conviction that if you do something, if you walk forward with conviction, God can just 
prosper it. You, oh, there's another podcast here that I have not actually said, but I, I have a note card to talk about it. Productivity does not exist in the Bible. As a, the, the productivity, the way that Americans talk about it does not exist in the Bible. Fruitfulness exists in the Bible. And fruitfulness is a gift, not an achievement. The grain sprouts and we know not how, but God gives the growth. Amen. So by all your toil, by all your hard work, you're not going to make this last. You and I, Brian, are not going to be able to achieve anything unless God wills it. Deo volente. Um, God willing. So embracing that reality and letting things flow a little bit, I think is going to be valuable. And as we walk forward, sharing with others that it is actually that simple and believing ourselves that it is just that simple and seeing what does come of it and welcoming people in. I think that's, I think that's all it really takes. I think that is, that is uh, spot on. I totally agree. And you're getting me pumped to make this thing happen. You know, Lord willing, um, putting in, putting in the in the uh, the plow with the dirt that is in front of us, and not worrying too far about what is ahead or what is behind, but simply being faithful Christian men where God has planted us, and and bearing fruit with the, the neighbors and the people that God has placed into our paths, and letting God take care of you know everything that is not under our uh, our vocation. I think that is that is a great lens to move forward with. So if if you don't mind, I'm going to actually go back to this note card that I have um, not really been looking at with all the stuff that I was thinking about when you first when you first sent me that email and throw at you a couple of the ideas or a few of the ideas that I uh, had. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. So, uh, one of the first uh, things I wrote out was, um, or that, that I that I codified was, it's a fair or a festival. It's not a classroom. It's not a school. It's not a camp. It's a festival or a fair. Like festival in the sense of like you know, Old Testament Israel gathering together on designated festival days kind of a thing. Yep. And, and treating a, a festival as I think it, we, we, it would be great to, to treat it that when we come together, we're just together. It's just what you do. It's like, like Thanksgiving when the family comes together and you, know, you don't get together and then do things or Christmas, you don't schedule Christmas. You come together and that's it. Yeah. That's the point. Um, so why not you know, throw in a summer festival um, that the um, the focus is again on on being together and cultural activities uh, that would include um, some breakouts, men sharing their wisdom. That is, in that case, I think, answering questions 
or uh, fielding pr- principles, questions of principle would be wisdom. Uh, how does the world work? Answering questions of experience or knowledge. What what do you know about the world? Somebody, some expert talking about this, that, or the other thing. But wisdom being a a key focus here. Um, having discipline. Oh, see, Sons of Solomon, you, you all got that reference. Um, uh, musar. Uh, that you'd have some, some level of inactivity, especially for the young men, to do something, to, to know that they're being men. Uh, I think that's, that's always valuable, something communal. But you're obviously going to have some level of communal activities because of communal worship, communal dining, communal song, which does not have to just be in worship. Uh, but you could also actually build in or, or begin to have some someone just sing a song that they know. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Clamawi de Profundis on, on YouTube or Spotify. Uh, they're, uh, they're the guys who do the um, Dwarven songs. Oh, yes, I have seen those. Yeah. They're amazing. I'd love to do a live performance or something like that um, to build in that kind of culture because they're writing their own songs now. They've just been singing together. Maybe you've got people who do some some presentation of Latin choral music or you've got somebody who's just really good on a guitar and who's going to sing something, but he, natural. Or maybe you've got a pianist who's a really good improv, improvisational pianist and they just play something. Real music that's coming from somebody's actual talent and passion and well we'll get there um dancing which i think is great i think it'd be great to do dancing especially with live music or to pursue the point where you have a live musician who just knows how to play a certain piece of music that people can dance to and then they dance because that's what they do because that's what all human civilization has had some level of dance and then that can be a place where the men and the women who have spent time separately can come together and actually interact and husbands and wives can show young men and young women how they are to treat one another in uh, healthy wholesome physical contact this is this doesn't have to be something that everybody does this is just something that i thought you know what this would be cool if there was a place where once a year we could get together and dance with other Christians and build some level of community culture. And I don't know much dancing. I've, I've got people who know swing. I got people who know English country dancing, um, who know polka. There's a number, there's a variety of different dances that people know. So just somebody pick something and teach other people and we'll all do it together. And if you can't play the music, why, what are you dancing to? So maybe work towards somebody who can actually play it as opposed to recording it. That's, that's this other idea though. You know, you could have people working on art together or sharing artistic expression. Um, music, as I mentioned. Um, fashion, honestly, would become a thing. If you're spending time together, how are you going to dress when you come together? You know, wouldn't it be amazing to have something like that where everybody was just, all the men were in suits? Mm. That is... What, yeah. a, what, a, yeah. what a thought. What an expression of 
nobility that would be. And it's it's a cool idea. And it's the kind of thing that maybe only one guy does one year because that's just how he lives. That's just what he wants to do is I'm just going to dress up nicely. But then because you spend time talking about it and then you actually ask the question amongst the brethren, is this something we should pursue? And you don't ask it explicitly. It becomes just a part of because you're spending time together because that's the focus. When somebody is doing something, you think, I like that idea. Well, I'm going to do that too. Or I like that idea. Next year, I want to do that. And if you forget it, then you try it the next year and you try it the next year, but you try and you come together and more and more, the more time you spend together, the more, uh, the more you're just in the same place together, the more you will unite, the more you'll become like each other because you'll be sharing. And this is the, the focus. You'll be sharing your breath. You'll become of one spirit using an old word. You, you, you use the head body connection. Here's the spirit. What is the spirit? It is the air. It is the breath. It is us being together, breathing together. That's what makes song powerful, that you have a whole bunch of people with this common breath confessing. It's what makes the creeds so amazing when they are in those large groups that are the prayers. And when you, when you have the Lord's Prayer prayed by a large group, there's something powerful to it because we all know the same pace. When I was, when I was in India, they prayed the Lord's Prayer at the church where I went with the same cadence that we say it in English, but it wasn't in English, but I knew what it was. And so amongst all of the other strangeness of this foreign language, I knew that they were praying a, that prayer and I could pray it with them. There was, there was a moment of intense brotherhood there that was so powerful. Why don't we have this with our brothers? Like locally, why don't we just try um, and then have conversations about it? And if you can't do everything that somebody else does, so let's say there is somebody who can dress nicely and you just, you just can't do it. You've only got the one nice suit and you don't want to wear it all the time. No shame. You have a different cultural aspect going on. Can you dress? How, how nicely can you dress though? Maybe you don't do a suit, but you do, uh, you try to do a polo. Or you try to do a button-up shirt of some kind or uh, something like that or something that's not a sweatshirt kind of thing. Um, can you do, if you're going to wear a t-shirt and jeans, can you tuck in your shirt? Why is it good to tuck in your shirt? Is it good to tuck in your shirt? If we're going to teach the children that they should, we should have good reason to do so. And I do think that I'm going to teach my children to tuck in their shirts because there's a level of discipline that that involves as their father that I want to teach them. And if I can carry myself with some gravitas when it is necessary for the sake of the, of the family, the, the community, the people, that's, that'd be a good thing. Um, so as much as possible, I want to walk as much as possible. I want to walk with other people. Uh, you remember last year at the, or this last year on the, at the sons of Solomon muster where we walked over to the church in the dark to to pray uh yes that was a wonderful evening so good uh, there was something about that about just walking together that's a biblical thing jesus on the road to emmaus they're just walking it's like a two-mile walk right is it two miles from emmaus to mm, jerusalem yeah i don't recall the number now uh 
it's not it's not a short walk, uh, but I mean it's a, it's a good solid walk. Why don't we do this? Why are we in such a hurry? And and then thinking that through, if if it's literally, if what this means is that in a year and a half, or I mean next year, because I'm, I'm I'm skipping next year. Next year I'm just assuming we're going to do something and it'll be fun. But in a year and a half, that's something that somebody else could plan for. That's why I want to use that that date right now. Um, in a year and a half, if it's literally still just your household and mine, and we get together somewhere with our little ones, and our wives can ch- talk together, and you and I can talk, and we just spend a day like that or two days like that, that's going to be good. And then maybe the next year, you invite somebody, and I invite somebody, and nobody comes. <laughs> and and then the year after that, it's bigger. I don't think that's the way it's going to be because I think what, what, what you're looking for is something that you're is what is good and what what I what I'm pursuing is something that's good and I want to share this with somebody I mean, not only am I excited about this I want I want to tell other people so that they can join me and and I'm convicted that because it's a good thing God's gonna God's gonna bless it and then if we have then whenever we have to worry about scaling or breaking out or you know hey We'd really like it if there was a pastor here because we just, you know, maybe we don't have a pastor. So we have to reach out and find a pastor. So then we, you know, get a good pastor. And then we just have that pastor. It's not a conference. It's not a, it's not an event. It's, hey, why don't you just come hang out? This is, this is a, it's a slow moving process. But if we move slowly, it's more likely, I think, that, it will actually be something that gets passed down because the traditions that we actually hold on to are not the ones that were established by people in automobiles. What the things we love about life are the things that came from before that, the thing that things that couldn't move quickly. And a part of wisdom is recognizing slow and steady wins the race that um, it's not, about getting there first it's not about doing it now the idolatry of now is a foolish thing that right now the beautiful thing to do is to have this conversation and to share it with others and then the beautiful thing to do whenever we get the chance is to get together and to do that and to be there uh, with one another and if it's a beautiful thing to do to have someone share their uh, wisdom about the scriptures and the, their studies on the on a theological topic, then that will be a beautiful thing to do, and we will do it. We can do it if we pursue that. If we pursue beauty, uh, but to, to do today to do the good, and then tomorrow to do the good, and just you know, to have no rush. Uh, it seems exciting that to have no rush to walk together to somewhere where we can walk together. Uh, that sounds like a beautiful, a beautiful thing to me. So that was, that was like, that was this card. That's the dream. Oh, that is a beautiful dream. That comment also about the, the theology of 
the idolatry of now, uh, that is something I needed to hear because that is something that I definitely uh, wrestle with a lot as a man uh, wanting to, you know, I see, I see things that are not right in the world and oh, it's got to be fixed now. Got to, gotta, um, you know, make, make all of the, the events and the structures that will um, make things right in the world. But got to, that's, that is in many ways losing sight of God as the one who gives the growth. Do things in the scope of what God has placed in front of you. Do what is good because it is good. And under the vocational scope of what God has given you, create structures such as are useful for your neighbor and invite other people to what is a good thing. But delusions of grandeur in trying to make something built out in the here and now that can immediately serve, you know, thousands of people and then, you know, oh, nobody comes because you're, you're focusing on yourself and your own efforts. And maybe you're also just a, a bad organizer and bad planner. But that's, you know, these are temptations that I struggle with. And I'm sure you know, many of us out there who are frustrated with the way things might currently be in the world in whatever domain one is operating in and wants to fix things, the theology of the, the idolatry of now um, versus, you know, waiting for the Lord and looking to him for, for deliverance and trusting God to give the growth when there is something good that is worth growing. That is, I think, something very important that we all need to, to keep in focus. You know, it, with this endeavor, with any other endeavor, that is something I need to hear. And, and thank you, Titus, for, for bringing the conversation around to that point, that card that I think is um, very important here. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, underemphasize the, the need to do something that at the, at the same time as being patient, there is a call to you know, put your hand to the plow. So I think it is important to take action, to walk somewhere, but walking's not a problem. And if, if higher things came about because of some underlying structure and an underlying need, um, I think what, what we're envisioning is actually going to address an even deeper need uh, for comment for, for, for culture. I do think that that's what people have, have lacked in their daily lives. Some semblance of what do we do? What is it that I'm supposed to be pursuing? What is it that I'm, actually going to do with my life um and and when we come together what are our common purposes what what makes us us we're missing the fractal pattern of our own existence mm -hmm. in you know within the body of christ we know that we're supposed to have an organizational 
structure as a body, but it's not there for many of the people in our church. And looking to that from above, from, from the pattern that God gives us in his word, in the, the order of creation that he has given for us, and having our life together within our scope of the fractal of the body of Christ, and pulling that from that, that parent pattern that our Father gives us. That is, it is something that I think, yeah, we are looking for, and a lot of us haven't realized where to get it from, or that what it is exactly that is missing. And the first step is just taking a step, just trying something and seeing if it works. Uh, but judging it, judging it based on the, the, the good, not based on expectation, but was what happened here good. And uh, that that is really hard because we have such dreams of what could be. Uh, and I am, I'm quite a dreamer when it comes to those things. I, I try to restrain myself because I think my, I, I permit myself to make dreams that are bigger than actually than I believe could actually come to pass things that are so so far beyond where I live now that I don't I don't understand how it could be you know where on a on an Easter morning I'm walking through my neighborhood and people are coming out and joining and we're all coming together we're all singing psalms as we walk the mile to the church and we come together at the church and then the service begins as we're all coming in and the people are gathering together we're all chanting whatever and then suddenly the organ kicks off and boom you get into this you're into the service that is a wow i don't i don't think that's ever been the case um i don't know how you'd even coordinate that kind of thing but you know what in yeah in 300 years if it's all my family and that's just what I do, then it'll happen. So is the reason that I'm not doing that on Easter morning is the reason I'm not doing that because I don't believe it's actually possible because that's not, that's not how it works. If, if I actually believe it's possible and I pursue it, it could come. And even if it doesn't come this side of paradise, maybe it'll come other side of paradise. Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, wouldn't that be blessed? And if if I actually pursue it, then maybe when I'm eighty five and I'm slowed down a little bit, so I can't run, but I could still walk. Uh, that grandchildren are doing that with me for one for one festival day. That we're all taking that walk, and they're all doing that, and they all know what to do because I was doing that for the last 60 years and so they just know what that looks like and maybe I don't have the exact form until you know I'm 73 and from the 73 to 85 is like the same thing every single year okay okay so so what if I actually believe it's possible then I should start taking steps towards it 
if I think it's good. And the steps don't have to be, I'm going to start living as though that's the reality right now, but why don't I just try something uh, and see, see what happens and walk in conviction because you know, who, who else is doing that? Who else is doing that? Who else has that vision, let alone the conviction to walk in it? Uh, I'm saying it out loud because I want that. I want to, to be strengthened in the conviction. I want to do that. I want to, I want to experience that uh, because I think it's good. I think it's a wonderful thing. I think it's the kind of thing that mo- a movie would never be able to capture because it is transcendently beautiful. But it's the kind of thing that we watch, that we we tell stories and we watch movies and we, I don't know if we watch movies, but it's the, it's the reason that we pursue the, the story of a, of another world far away, like a fantasy land, like, like the Lord of the Rings, uh, where people do things of, of great legendary status that are transcend that transcend our, our daily lives. We want that. Um, I think that we actually have those experiences in, in life though, when we do get together, when we just spend time together, we have those moments, uh, where perhaps at the end of a conversation around a campfire, everybody takes a deep breath and nothing needs to be said because you've all had such a wonderful conversation and it's so spiritually uplifting. And maybe the last thing that was said was the word of God and you close it and you don't know what's next. It's a pause. Uh, Perhaps that is what, what happens in, in the book of revelation when there's the um, silence in heaven after the end of the, is that the, is that the scrolls? Mm, I think so. Yeah, I'm going to pull it up because it's, it's such a strange moment. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Uh, it is the seal because you get this, you get the, the 144,000. That's the, you get the sixth seal cosmic disturbances. Um, the stars from heaven fall and the, the moon becomes blood. The sun is darkness and the day of wrath arrives and, then John hears the number of the sealed and he looks and he sees the multitude and they're singing that worthy is the, uh, it's not that it's not worthy is the, yeah, it's salvation belongs to, to God, um, to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb worthy is the lamb is, is a different portion. Although I do love that section of Handel's Messiah where he just closes out with that glorious amen. Um, and, and this happened, you know, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Who are these? These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to fountains of living waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. that it just, it just rests 
what more is there to say? And then he goes on to the next vision because there is another vision because you have to keep going. You have to move on. But I, I think those little moments in life are worth pursuing. Those times where it's just good and it's been good. And what more is there to say? Titus, by like you, you talked about you know, the dreams being being a, a dreamer of you know, all these these good things that could be, maybe should be. Uh, and while maybe we don't have all the power to make those things come into being, we must rely on God for giving the growth and building the house. By your sharing this dream, you know, here in this conversation right now. By your words, you have also created this dream in my own in my own thoughts, and you see it as a good thing, and you explain it to me, and now I also see it as a good thing, and now my dream takes off, and maybe my imagination fills in the corners of that same the vision of the the processional of the the body of Christ, you know, going down 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 the sidewalk, down the street chanting, singing together up into God's house and the organ takes off and the service begins together. You know, maybe my mind fills in the details of that vision slightly differently than yours, but ultimately it is through the, the word that you shared and evoked this idea, you know, the good that my mind sees in this also then latches onto that and takes hold and says, yes, this is good. This is something I want to pursue with you and walk alongside you in making this happen. And perhaps anyone listening to this right now shares now in that same, that same vision of, yes, I also think this is good. Wouldn't that be amazing to have together as we walk together as a body of Christ, whenever we come together and yeah, maybe that is, it's not something that exists right now, but by talking about these things and sharing these, these dreams, these ideas, the good that we as God's people see in that, as people who are in like manner fed from the same word of God and have that same value of what is good, what is beautiful, then we hear those words together and we see the same ideal of, yes, we want to walk towards this together. And so we do. And so the body of Christ walks together in finding the common good that we see rooted in that which our Lord has created as we follow our Lord together. And so I think that is, that is a beautiful dream. And I think that is also a good model for like that discussion, that sharing of the dream and seeing where it goes. That is, that is all we can hope for here as, as men trying to build with gold here in our walk together uh, under Christ. So thank you. If that's a, maybe a, a tangential project uh, for that, that kind of, you know, maybe Sunday processional or however the church gathers. I mean, that, that's something I want, I want to see that happen too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, amen, amen to all that uh, that you said as well. And again, the the reason I put it out to age eighty five is because it gives me it gives me plenty of time to do little pieces, <laughs> to take little steps, and uh, God can work on that timeline. I know he can work on that timeline because I, I know he can work on shorter timelines than that. But today, getting that today, uh, probably not today's a Friday. So it'd be a little tough. Uh, so the, the secret of contentment is to see today, whatever it is as good to embrace that this, this moment here, this conversation has been such a, such an absolute pleasure. Uh, so thank you for reaching out with this idea. And I'm, I'm excited to have the next conversation about the topic to hopefully move towards having the, uh, the event, but also just to, as always, it's, it's really great to, to chat with you and, um, you know, to see that that was, that was a good thing. Even if nothing comes of it, even if the Lord returns tomorrow, well, especially if the Lord returns tomorrow, that'd be, that'd be wonderful. But whatever happens, it's, it's been good and it is wonderful. And so that's something that I want to remember in the busy busyness of life. Uh, even as I forget, as I get caught up in all the, the stress of work and the lack of sleep. Um, and you're going to, you're going to feel that too. Very relatively soon. It's going to be a wonderful blessing to not have that sleep. Uh, with a with young children, but the the good for today. The I don't I don't know how I don't know what's going to come next, but it's been so uh, so wonderful. I mean, would that would that every day could be this wonderful? But it's today, so every day is right now a good day amen to that thanks for thank you so much for uh for coming together here with me also and we're hearing my thoughts and sharing your thoughts and walking together i look forward to the day lord willing if the lord grants it that uh not only can can we continue to walk together and talk together in like manner but also that perhaps the the steps that we take now can lay foundations for our sons and daughters to walk together in like manner and to to build on top of whatever we ourselves build with on top of what God has given to us that we may stay faithful in God's word as we we build for our families and for whatever the future may hold. Amen.